some type of a narcotic or substance. Not tonight, you're not on the list. Hello, I'm Conor McLuhan and welcome to the You're Not On The List podcast produced weekly for Rewind That Track. On this podcast, we interview, dive deep and take a journey into the lives of those in the music industry. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Nice one. Thanks for listening. Can you go onto whatever streaming platform you're listening on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. It means that you won't miss out on future episodes and gives the podcast a bit of a boost. Now, if you're feeling extra supportive, give the Rewind That Track Instagram, YouTube, TikTok or Facebook page a follow and all. We've got interviews with the likes of Andy C, Chris Lorenzo, Skepsis, Salado and loads more on all the channels. So if you like seeing what goes on with your favourite artists backstage, check them out. Right, now on with the podcast. My guest this week is definitely the most unique guest we've had on so far. If you've seen an after movie for an event or a set, chances are it's one of his pieces of handiwork. He's toured the planet documenting some of the biggest DJs and artists in the industry. It's Isaac Reader, founder of Visuals by Isaac. During this episode, we discuss what the most annoying thing is that crowds do in front of the camera, what precautions you take when you're traveling with thousands of pounds worth of equipment around the world, and why you should stop asking people to take photos. My guest this week is one of the most talented videographers in the music industry. If you've seen an after movie from a drum and bass or bassline event, it's a very high chance that it's one of his. He's toured the planet, documenting some of the biggest DJs and artists in the industry, and he's almost certainly got a story or two to tell from it. It's Isaac Reader. Good evening, mate. How are you doing? Woohoo. Good evening, mate. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most unenthusiastic woohoo I've ever had. I will, mate. I will. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Yeah, man, I'm good. I am good. Um, you're the most unique person I think we've had on the podcast so far. Good, unique in the sense that I want to get different people from the music industry. And it's, if you said the music industry, even though as someone that has done it firsthand myself and has got a bit of experience dabbling in it, videography and photography might not be the, if you said the music industry, the, the, the first thing that somebody thought of, they might think of an no. artist or a DJ yeah. like, or somebody on the stage, but someone that is always on the stage as well running through the crowd, running around the stage, backstage, and everywhere mm. around the venue is uh, is yourself. Yeah, you ought to see my step count during those shows. I was going to say, you must be putting in some cardio work. When Mate, you're honestly, on. that's how you want to keep fit, shoot shows. That's what it is. I'm drenched. That's what it is. Yeah, I've seen you running around backstage. I've seen you on stage. I've seen you after movies. I've followed your work for a long time. That's why I wanted to Thank get you. you on here. Yeah, I do I'm think you are a very talented videographer, and I do Thank think you you're a very much. talented uh, creative. What is something about being an event videographer? Well, first of all, what would you class yourself as? Would you class yourself as an event videographer? Um, if I'm honest, I'd class myself as an editor, Yeah, I, I reckon. Uh, I'm definitely better at editing than I am at shooting, which is something that didn't happen overnight. Um, I've, well, originally I wanted to be a director, and that's what I kind of went into uni with the mindset of, is, yeah, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, as most people do when they get to uni and they think, right, this is it. This is me now. Um, and then I kind of just wanted to try my hand at everything and eventually found my way onto cameras but realising they're very, very, very expensive if you want to have a half-decent chance of making anything good. And then I was always into editing, so I just kind of went down that route. And it's, to be honest, if you want to do what we do, um, you need to kind of have your hand at everything. Jack at all trades, master of none. Um, always the way. Yeah, you need to make sure that you can at least record some audio, make sure you get a half-decent picture, and then editing is like 
60% of making an artist content and probably 15% of shooting it and the rest is actually making sure you get to the venue. Yeah. So, Which one would you say you enjoy the most? Uh, each of them have different kind of qualities. I mean, there's nothing beats shooting a live show, especially if it's like, if it's mega, like if you end up like main stage at Warehouse Project or like cream festivals like Creamfields, Reading and Leeds, stuff like that. But then there's a different kick out of editing really because it's just you on your own. You haven't got, well, not many time constraints other than meeting a deadline. But that's where you can kind of really bring it to life. Like you can be a sick shooter, but if you can't edit, you're going to make your footage look shit. But if you can't really shoot, but you know how to edit, you can make it look so much better than what it originally did. So I, th I find there's probably more, it's like there's more creative ways to editing and bringing a different concept to life than there is shooting, but shooting is whole different like experience and like adrenaline, like being on stage in front of all thousands of people, like there you can't really get much closer to being in the thick of it than that. That's true. That's true. That you that there's a lot of energy in that room and there's oh, a lot so of energy much. in that uh, in that crowd. Um, so but... it took me a while to like get over that. You have to kind of learn to stop getting gassed. Yeah. And, like, why yeah. do you have to stop? Why do you have to stop getting gas? Well, because ultimately, I'm not there to. I'm not there to enjoy myself. I'm there to do a job. <laughs> so, like, it definitely took me a while. Just like I hear a tune and it's like, and I'm like, fuck, I've got to record it. And yeah, like, you're looking at back you. and it's like, what was I doing? And just like it's all shaking all over the place. So I've definitely learned. Uh, have to try and maintain your excitement. Yeah, you do. Especially if you've got a camera in your hands with the framing mm. and if it's not got auto stabilization or you haven't got it on a gimbal, mate, no, you've, you've got, got to, uh, yeah. yeah, you've got to sort it out. So, um, yeah. as you mentioned there, you, uh, you went to university, at Anglia Roskin, was it? I did big up ARU. Yes. Yeah. Uh, was this the, uh, was this the Cambridge, uh, this yeah, free, so free I tell people, I tell people I went to uni in Cambridge, Yeah, but I don't tell them it was a shit version. <laughs> I just say, oh, Cambridge. And if, Cambridge, they don't say, if they don't say anymore, I've got away with it. Yeah, and then you if they do, I have, to, yeah, I have to come clean and go, oh, actually, is yeah. you the one that the rejects get into? <laughs> so, um, <yeah. laughs> so talking about talking to uni and obviously the music industry and you working in the music industry, was this sort of your first first events? Is this how you fell in into love? Because I'm assuming that you didn't go to, obviously, you would have... You would have went to university with the mindset of like, I want to, I want to film, I want to direct, I want to shoot bits and pieces, I want to edit before you would have went to a rave. Yeah, pretty much. If I'm honest, I never growing up knew what I wanted to do. Never, ever. I'm from a family of engineers. So all the boys in my family, from like my dad, my uncles, my brothers, they're all engineers. They're all trained up to go live on boats and kind of maintain ships, all that kind of stuff. And I just didn't want to do that at all. And I was just kind of like, oh, what do I like doing? And I like taking things apart. I like kind of breaking things to put them back together. I liked tampering with things. And um, I just, I took A-level media. And to be honest, I was shit. Like, I wasn't good. And it was just like, it's one of those courses that kind of just everyone takes because like their mates taking it or it's just easy or it's fun. Like you're at, you're at college, you just want to like see different people and just have a laugh. And to well, do you know what? It's one of those things that like when we were at work, because we're roughly about the same age, I think. Like it's yeah, one of those 26, things. That, yeah. yeah, 26 as well. So, yeah. so it's one of those, it's one of those courses because I did A-level media as well. And I did it at GCSE and it's one of those things at the time, sort of that generation, there was that thing of like being ah, it's a load of bollocks in it. Like what a, what a waste of a course, like waste of stuff like that. Like I had that, it had that thing against it. And now, ironically, social media 
like the news and everything is the most influential important part of people's lives so i just want to stand yeah. there now and say it's two people at a level media <laughs> fuck you if you just <laughs> fuck you if you diss it because look how important it is in life now Middle fingers up i <laughs> get to film content for instagram what do yeah, you do <laughs> exactly so, so sorry before i just said to nip um, in there uh, to, to big yeah, up the media no, uh, to be fair i'm pretty sure my old man still doesn't know what i do for a job yeah so <laughs> that still, was a I'm running joke it. with my parents yeah. as well I'm when sh- i did a uh, journalism at uni where it was just like they just went yeah he did media he's doing media i was like nah mum i was doing i've got a journalistic he degree with, yeah, he like, does with cameras yeah, yeah that's what i get told <laughs> he sat with cameras i think but yeah it took i think it took him a while to understand i mean it took me a while to understand what i wanted to do because yeah i never knew and then i kind of took a level uh i'd like i done all right i didn't get i didn't get over the moon results and then i just kind of carried on from there i was like oh okay like let's just try my hand at uni and i done i done uni from home for the first year i done like visual media production at a college like local to me and i hated it i just didn't like it and i was like i've got to get away if i want to try and do this and do it properly so yeah i went to uh the shit cambridge uni and uh sorry aiu and then um took film and tv production and yeah i just loved it i just tried my hand at everything and i liked kind of um well the thing one thing about taking it at uni is obviously what we do is subjective and i found it hard to receive feedback from things that are subjective and i'm quite i can be argumentative when i want to be and i get quite angry very easily so i I liked having a, a debate with my lecturers when they just tell me this is wrong and that is wrong and i go where you that? and i just like the idea of going back and forth with people and just making something cool i mean ultimately it's going to be awful to someone else but to me i find it sick and that's what i liked about it so i just kind of snowballed it from there really tried my hand at a few different roles like i've done audio i've done producing i've done directing camera work editing done a lot and then i kind of just got a handful in everything and then just kind of spawned it out from there and then where was the uh, where was the crossover into the like the music industry? So like, what were you yeah. were you going to like raves at uni? And then there was the well, old sort of like I should I should say before being a big kind of media fan, I'm more of a music fan than I am kind of media camera world like massively. Like when I was 16, I used to go London to go shows. Like my, my first show, I went to see Public Enemy with my uncle, my dad, and my brother, and nice. then. Um, I've seen Tyler the Creator like eight or nine times as well. Yeah. So yeah, I literally, if there was a show on, I was there. And like, I just used to love going what to venues, shows. What venues are we talking here? Oh, everywhere. Like, obviously mainly UK based, but like my first, I've done Reading and Leeds as a teenager. Like I've done, I went to see Eminem at Wembley. I've seen Tyler eight or nine times, Schoolboy Q, uh, Tom Mish, James Blake, but that's what I loved originally was just going to live shows. That's what got my buzz. And then the crossover was um, I had a friend at uni called Alex Brawley, and he wanted to basically just start doing loads of like, extracurricular stuff on his own, just basically to get better. And I remember I was on my break from working at Tesco's, and um, he rings me up and he's like, I've got two projects that have been put on the table to make, two documentaries. One is about Big Nasty, and the other is about this drum and bass group called SASASAS. He said, oh, I need another camera op and a sound recordist, like, will you come and help me? And at this point, I just wanted to kind of try my hand at everything and just get involved. So I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm in. Like, just, I didn't know anything about him. The only, I knew I knew Harry Shotter just through him being Harry Shotter, and I vaguely knew who Mackie G was. So um, 
I was just kind of like, yeah, man, like, may as well. There's nothing else. Oh, sorry, I knew Skibber as well. Who didn't know Skibber? But, um, so yeah, we went down. We shot the first show, which was Transmission Festival. We shot Transmission Festival as the first show, and it's the first time I'd ever gone backstage as well. And I remember just being so, like, amped up because I was, like, backstage at this festival thinking I was the bollocks. And I remember watching Grandmaster Flash do the message. I don't know if you know the yeah, song. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah the hip hop song. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being backstage watching it. And I was like, "Fucking hell, I've cracked it here." Yeah. Like, this he is, was this like the this. first final final uh, turntablist, wasn't he? He uh, he mm. ironed his mum's uh, vinyl records uh, to make them softer and thinner, so he could scratch them and stuff like that. No way. Start of yeah. the day. Yeah. Ah, that's clever. But yeah, he, they were on. But he was on before SAS and. Um, yeah, then we just shot that show and then uh, done a couple more, done a couple more. I got friendly with all the guys, obviously, because then I'd start like interviewing them, like go around the houses, speak to them, go on like trips out, stuff like that. And then eventually Mackie asked me if I could shoot a couple of his shows. And one was in Birmingham and I want to say the other was in Tank. I want to say there's probably footage of it somewhere. But yeah, he paid me in beers, essentially. <laughs> so what year was this? I want to say like. I think I would, well, I was 19 or 20. This was back back when I started. People weren't really doing it. So it's probably only me and Leo if I'm, I like, probably were so people. I was but... going to get onto this. So there's there's sort of two major names in the older videography. Well, this is what I don't know because I don't know whether you, you're in your own echo bubble. Like I've, I've known you through like content online and seeing your content and yeah. doing the other videography bits. Leo Lightfoot is also another event videographer who is also very well known and very well established and has done videography bits. But you two boys were sort of the, the front runners back in the day. If there was any drum and bass event, like I said in the intro, any baseline event, any sort of big event, it was between you two basically doing the after movies, shooting after movies yeah. and shooting the event. Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, he's a lovely guy. I love Leo. Um, I can't remember what I was saying now as well. So sorry, I was saying um, it was about 2000 and you said you were about oh, 19. Yeah, 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 that was it. So yeah, Mackie, we literally, there was no fee involved. It was just kind of, let's just have a laugh because me and him, we get on well. So it was like, yeah, just come and shoot some shows for me. And granted, he probably knew I was going to give him some shit content back because I wasn't very good. So yeah, we just had a laugh. And then um, my girlfriend, who's in the bass scene as well, she knew of Skepsis before he was like Skepsis. And the come up, there was like that, you know, like that, um, like the bass fest New Year's Eve when Scott was, going like that with Brucey the MC and I just said to her I was just like look you got to, can you try and get me involved with Scott or Skepsis um, I want to I want to shoot one of his shows and eventually I got to shoot Tank with Scott and it's the first time I met Scott first time I met Brucey and I, I remember I rocked up to Tank with a Sony FS7 and for those who don't know that camera's worth about five and a half grand back then <laughs> and um it's not the camera that you want to be taking into sweaty little tank not into a sweaty you. nightclub mate no. with a, i can imagine and, some uh, mad lens on it as well and it's mate, also not a small handheld camera is it to walk up with that no, i mean i'm sure the not. footage looked fantastic but mate, they did but yeah i didn't have a fucking clue what i was doing i didn't know how to use the camera I basically just went in and I was like, right, what's the most impressive camera I can get just to show these boys I mean the fucking business? Yeah. Come out so of an you, FS7. Did you, rent this, did you rent this from uni? You rented it from uni. Rented all prime lenses from uni as well. <laughs> I was walking around with about eight or nine grand worth of kit and tank that my uni didn't know I'd taken to go and shoot a baseline rave for the first time. Didn't know how to use the camera as well. And I actually, because the way you have it on there, it's mounted for a shoulder rig. So you have control of your aperture with your right finger. 
And in the rave, I'd knocked it from like F2, whatever it was, to like F14 and hadn't realized because my viewfinder was set to just be like automatic. So I shot about two thirds of his rave at about F14 on 400i. So for those who don't know cameras, that's very, very, very dark and you aren't going to see much. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to blag to the boys. They probably don't even know this now, but I just, I was like, yeah, the footage was fine. Like, I've smashed it. Here's that's your a edit. Good little, that's like, a good anecdote to be able yeah. to, if they hear this for the first time. Yeah, sorry, boys. Yeah. So what did you, because obviously um, if you've, if you're shooting backstage and you were shooting a couple of the bits of the documentary originally, was that sort of the first event that you shot where you're in a nightclub in the crowd? Like, yeah. oh Christ, like everyone else here is having a rave. And I want to be like, I'm obviously as amongst it, but I've got a job to do. Um, baseline yeah. is obviously a high energy place. Tank is very sweaty and very sort of intense. So it would be like, oh Christ, like, is that the first time you sort of experienced like yeah, stress? on the night like of having um, to shoot and be like when you start oh, it's not really stress because you're you're just your energy just kicks in and you just you're wanting just to get amongst it and just get involved so you're you're looking for people who are the most high energy because that's what gives you the best clip ultimately so you're you're kind of looking for that it's only probably when you get used to it more and you kind of start treating it as a job that's when you're kind of conscious and cautious about what you're doing and where you're going and what situations you end up putting yourself in but the first couple of shows obviously i didn't get paid i was just doing it purely for exposure because what they wanted was worth more to me than it was to them because I wanted it purely to get better and to build up a portfolio that I can go to people and go like, look, this is what I can do and um, just kind of build it from there. And to be fair, out of doing the shows with Scott, the Skepsis and Brucey, I met Brucey for the first time at Night in Tank. He then got me to, sh well, he got me in with Joe, their manager, his Laz crew, and um, got me to shoot their first ever show in Oxford. And he actually said no the first time. He said, oh, no, we don't need him. We've got someone else. Oh. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> shout out to Josh. He, um, he persisted on getting me involved on this show. He backed, and, you. Um, he backed Yeah, he you. backed me. Yeah, so big up Bruce. He backed me and I ended up shooting, shooting the crew car shows and I yeah, haven't stopped since. I was going to say that might be one of the most lucrative backings um, and one of the most lucrative decisions that you have uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you and Josh have ever, <laughs> have ever had to uh, yeah, sort you out with. So for those that don't know, you are, you've shot all of the crew car stuff basically, haven't you, for like the last... Yeah, so... Four, five years? I think so. I'm a bit bad with time frames, but I do all of their shows as a collective and then obviously from that you then become friends and then it's kind of you just do their singular shows as well, which um, is very busy, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Those boys are great to tour with. But yeah, the main guys I work with are Mackie. Mackie G and... Um, Crewcast, really, and then a couple others here and there when I can. But those are my two main kind of clientele. What do you think the steepest learning curve was when you were first shooting those like early events, like for the for the boys, and when um, shooting the early events in clubs? Definitely making mistakes is the best thing you can do because I'm a I'm a hands-on learner. Whereas I don't want to read a book if someone tells me this is how you say recording slow-mo i don't want to read about it i want to go and do it and get it wrong until i get it right so the best thing i can say to people is go and make 50 mistakes because if you've made them 50 times you're not going to make them on the 51st you're going to get it right and then once you get it right you you can't really get it wrong but it's it's kind of the thing because everything happens in real time and if an artist wants a specific song recording you have to be there at the right time and obviously the factors that can come into it like your camera can overheat your sd card can stop recording your you might not have your mic turned on your gimbal might not be balanced etc there's so many things but it's just learning how to be in the right place at the right time and making sure that you're clued up enough to get the content you need or give the client whatever it is they want and kind of 
get it to the best level that you're happy with as well. But it takes years of mistakes to eventually get to a point where you're happy with making these things anyway. You mentioned there that first one uh, when you were in tank and you you changed the uh, you changed the aperture down to a to a to a, a higher f stop. Um, like obviously your content speaks for itself and it's fantastic and it's great. So there is no detriment to if you did answer this question, but have you got any examples that come to mind where you can think and remember a certain event or a certain something where it, something's gone wrong? There's, to be honest, there's not really many major things. I don't think that have happened. Like obviously you just have to avoid drinks being thrown and things like that. I've had a couple of pints done over me and like falling over here and there. I don't know. Well, when I was, when I, well, I look for my footage now and obviously I think everyone, I call it like the shaky hands period where people think it's cool to like kind of add their own motion blur or motion to, to their shots, especially on live clips. And it's like left to right, left to left right. I'm pretty sure you and Leo uh, created that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you and Leo Lightfoot could uh, stick a copyright on that, uh, that technique for live yeah, events. Behind the DJ, whenever there's a drop, left to right, left to right, left to right. Wait, zoom, sure in, zoom, out, out. zoom out on the drop. Yeah, zoom out, zoom out, out on the drop. On the drop. Uh, you've got to have a trademark for that. That might be the uh, <laughs> copyright. The, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I watched some of my footage back and you can't even see the artist. It's just like, what am I doing? Like, there's so many bad ones. I remember I'd done Park Life with Crewcast for the first time. I think it was 2017 or 2018. I and think I was, I was there for that because I remember you I remember your after movie for it. The footage is appalling. Like, like, You're not a fan wise. of it? No, not at all. But that's what I mean. Like, There's so little of my work that I'm happy with because you're obviously always getting better and learning more things and you, you, you'll you learn how to add motion blur and after effects and you'll go back two years and go, oh my God, that looks so bad to what I do now. And you're, just, you're always evolving. So you're all, that's kind of the detriment is that you'll make something now, but in five years time, you'll go, fuck me, that was shit. What was I doing? Yeah. But it's always good to look back and laugh at them though. Yeah, but if you were happy at the time and the client was happy and like that would oh, have mate, been happy at the days, point, you would have been, yeah, time, you could always look back and like, yeah, you're cringe at some of the earlier stuff, but oh, that's 100%. definitely just led you to a, to led you to where you are now. Like yeah, there'll, there'll be loads of cringy stuff I'll have on hard drive somewhere, especially like ones where I was starting out, but none spring to mind in all honesty, but no, there, right, there'll, there'll be some bad, some bad events somewhere, especially live clips. They'll be awful, but. Yeah, as long as you keep him to laugh about and as long as you just get better, I don't think it matters too much. Everyone's got to start somewhere, ultimately. DJs and artists are playing abroad. They can get away with taking a memory stick and headphones. But if you're shooting an after movie, it's not that minimal. I wanted to ask Isaac how he travels with artists carrying thousands of pounds worth of gear. One thing that's I haven't asked, managed to ask anyone else again. Some people have spoke about touring abroad, but you taking mm. like camera equipment abroad. So say if you're shooting an after movie for an artist or a DJ, for example, like Mackie G, like you flew out to New Zealand, didn't you, with him? Yeah. New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. What yeah. sort of like the, when you're, so say you're going out there, he's got a couple of shows on. What sort of like the, this might be, no, it's not too niche because it's, it's, it's unique to you to speak about. What equipment would you take out and how much spare would you take out? And sort of what's the protocol with like, obviously sticking it on an airplane. Like fair enough, if you're a DJ, you can have a USB stick, you can have a couple of pair of headphones, whatever with you. You've yeah. got it pretty safe on you. You know that even realistically, if your pair of headphones, whatever you could break, break, you could buy another pair out there. You can sort of get away with it. If you're taking a drone, your, your DSLR, a load of prime lenses, SD cards and everything like that halfway across the world. What's the uh, what's the situation? Like, how many sort of camera bodies are you taking? Like, what are you taking? Like, anything extra? Are you just taking it in hand luggage, or are you like flying it across? So I I have kind of like a roll-on suitcase that you kind of put on as hand luggage, and that's all my camera equipment. But I value bringing gear over more than I do bringing clothes. 
So for me, I'll like I'll tr I'll try and spare no expense on my equipment because ultimately my logic is if someone's paying me to fly halfway around the world and back, I need to deliver. So for me, there's like the trust that they're putting in me, I have to repay. So there's I have to spare no expense on like the big bastard after movie I'm about to create for him. Like it has to be the best thing I've ever made. So I always make sure that I'm kind of stocked up on my equipment. Which then, if well, to be honest, if you're doing the Europe shows, you don't really tend to bring much clothes because you're flying back usually the next day, you're constantly on the move. But when you're flying across the world, you literally have no choice, so you have to bring clothes. But most of the time, I have to like wrap my pants and socks like around my camera stuff, so I've only got to take one bag and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I don't own a drone, to be fair. I've never owned a drone. I wish I did, but I just never got around to buying one. I've been trying to learn FPV for a while, but that's, I think, is a bit too out of my skill set. But um, <laughs> to be honest, equipment doesn't really range. It doesn't it doesn't differ that much. I usually bring everything with me. It's, um, it's more of a nightmare going through security with it all because 99% of the time your bag gets flagged. They want to then pat you down and then search through every nook and cranny in your bag. Yeah. And they hate camera batteries and they hate running yeah. batteries. I've had a couple of times where they've confiscated batteries off me. I've done, when we done New Zealand, just gone, they um, took all of my camera batteries off me. And luckily enough, we were flying back to the same airport the next day. But they said, oh, you can't take these on the plane. We're going we're gonna to have to keep them here. You're going to have to fly back and then pick them all up. There's like 300 quid's worth of batteries. Jesus. And like, if I'm up other side of the world, it's a bit tricky to get get my stuff sorted so I didn't fly back and pick it all up again to go to the next show. So yeah, batteries are the main thing they don't like really. They've got a bit of a problem with taking abroad. But to be honest, yeah, my, my bag doesn't stay too much different. I want to make sure because that for me is more pressure, if you want to call it, than shooting a UK show because they're physically paying for you to fly in the hotel with them. And it's not like you're halfway down the road, you're flying to another country. So you've mm. got to make sure that you're giving them something that they think is worth paying for you to fly and stay with them. Do you ever worry about, I mean, not to say that about this about yourself or any of the artists or DJs that you've ever performed with, but if you've been, say, spent two days at a festival and you're suddenly going back through security and you think, oh, what happens if somebody, not saying yourself or not saying any other artist, but somebody's accidentally left some type of a narcotic or substance or something's <laughs> accidentally dropped into your camera bag or anything like that right. and you think... I do get worried about stuff well, like that. Like, because... Just because obviously stuff's flying around backstage and you're, if your bag's there, you might not have even been in contact well, with it, you personally, like, but yeah. if you've been in the vicinity and you're thinking, oh God, what happens if there's a tiny little trace of something on my camera bag or my lens or you anything no, and then no, I'm, getting the old, yeah. I'm getting the rubber glove on and then, excuse me, sir, can you walk this way? I do think about that because ultimately my bag goes like under the decks and like yeah, comes backstage. It goes, it go, my bag goes more places than probably me. And... Yeah. <laughs> and um, I do worry because then, like you know, if you got a laptop on you, which I do all the time, they'll like yeah. pull it out and swab the laptop. I'm like, fucking hell, what about like someone might be done anything dodgy? To yeah, because <laughs> you don't know. Like stuff happens, and um, you just you just like oh, I don't know. Like something might have happened. Someone might have spilt something on my bag that's on there. I don't know. But touch wood, luckily Nothing's never happened, happened yeah. to me. None of the boys I tour with, they're all sensible boys. So. Um, yeah, luckily it's never happened. And I've never left anything actually either. I've never lost any equipment other than lens caps, which I lose pretty much once every show. Religiously. And everything right. else I've um, I've managed to yeah, retain. You so ever I'm had quite, the older lucky on that front. corrupted corrupted SD card at all? Uh, I've had it. I've had corrupt hard drives, which there's kind of no way of explaining that other than I fucked it essentially. But 
it's not even your fault that it's, it's I've, I've had it a couple of times where i i try and buy a new memory card every year or mm. sd card every year um because i find that and people won't really understand but rewriting speeds on cameras to record live footage and stuff like that your camera has to be able to keep up with one of your sd card has to be able to keep up with your camera and i've had it so many times i've been like bang in the moment and like my camera's just stopped recording and i'm yeah. just sat there like a wally just like trying to press it frantically and it just won't do anything so i've had that a couple of times where i've missed certain things are you one of these people this might get a little bit technical now as well where uh like so on the, i know on the the newer sony models where you can put two sd cards in and you can either choose to to record to both sd cards concurrently at the same time or you can do one off the other are you one of these people that would double, no, I, double um, record so yeah i shoot on a gh5 but i don't double record right. i do have a dual slot sd card though which for those it's simple it's just you have two sd cards in at the same time and then as soon as one's finished it goes on to the other but to be honest it's funny actually i shot crew cast boardmasters uh saturday just gone and that's the first time i've ever reached maximum capacity on an sd card and um that was all uh, seven hours of live clips jesus yeah so it's it was weird. a lot of content yeah, but yeah it's the first time ever i've never other than that come close really it's usually like the 70 80 gig mark but yeah, it's a lot of hard drives. That is a lot of hard drives. What yeah. do you do? Like, have you got how much? How many? Uh... Oh, I've got about eight or nine hard drives full of just raid sort of... footage. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Honestly, the amount of people I could probably put in prison with like gun faces <laughs> is a joke. <laughs> so this is what this is what I'll get onto as well. What is the what is the say if there's people listening to this podcast, which they do go to raves, there's people listening that do go to events. What's something you wish you could tell the general public or the general consensus? Stop doing this with videographers and stop right. doing this with photographers. I'm put the mic closer to my mouth. I do not take photos. Stop asking me to take a picture. <laughs> but- <laughs> I can vouch for that. So I did it. I did. I did videography for like a, a couple of years, and did a couple of events, and did a couple of festivals, and shot some bits and pieces as well. The thing with you're shooting after me. Excuse me, can you take a photo of us? Excuse me, can you take a photo of us? I just started going. Sorry, I haven't got my photography lens on. Do you know That's what, what I There's so many excuses, mate, to come out with it. So this is a videography lens, not a photography well, lens. I can't do it. You're in a you're in a fucking rave, which is so loud. And I wear earplugs when I shoot as well. Yeah. So I, chances are I really can't hear what you're saying. Is I'm not, well, I am being rude because I generally won't try to answer because I'm trying to get as much content as I can. But it's, they tap you on the shoulder, tap, 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 tap. It's like, fuck me, what do you want? And then they're just like, can you shoot? Can you take a picture of me and my mate? And rather than just running through the, the X, Y, Z reasons why I can't do it, I just yeah. take a picture now, but don't do anything. I just pretend like I'm taking a yeah. picture. And yeah. then they'll go like, well, can we see it? I'm just like, yeah, you get that. Or they go, it didn't flash. They go, it didn't yeah. flash. Go, nah, didn't go nah, it didn't, it didn't I go, go mate, I'm going to be honest. I don't even take it. And I'll just try, try and walk off. Yeah. But you have a couple of persistent ones, but it doesn't make me laugh every time. And another one people love doing is when you're in the crowd doing a live clip, people just love jumping up and down in the way. At every show, I'll get it once. Whereas you'll be at the back of the crowd and someone will just start jumping up and down in front of the lens. Um, I'm quite lucky. Well, I'm quite. I'm six foot five, so I can kind of go above it usually. But then you'll get yeah. some big old bloke just get just straight in the way and just ruin the shot. And it's just laughing oh, it. And you go, oh, "Thanks, mate. You just ruined Here me business." Cheers, Cheers, boys. Mate. Like <laughs> that's me not getting paid. Uh, no, so photos any other- are the main thing. I, uh, to be honest, and I'll say this: I'm shit at taking photos. I am not a photographer. I could never be one. I haven't got it in me. I'm just not good at taking pictures. So yeah, I if you even if I took a photo of you, it would be shit. Yeah. So there's no point even asking me. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, sorry to let people down on that, but yeah, no. please stop asking me to That's take good. a picture. Of you me. might have to get a little t-shirt made up going. <laughs> I'm not what, a I, I, I debated should, it on the back. You should. That would be video jokes going. Only. Yeah, yeah, video only. I did not or, take pictures. Yeah, have you ever done it as well? Like where someone will come up and go. Uh, can you take a photo of me? And you go, and then I'm a videographer. And then they grab their mates and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And they go, he's a videographer. And then they'll stand there awkwardly, like literally properly, like it's not natural whatsoever. Dance it, yeah, like this. <laughs> and you're like, it's video. And then they go, oh, right, okay. And then no, they just do like the littlest move. They'll say oh. like, can you take a picture? I'm like, no, I do video. Uh, oh, it's video. And then they'll just proceed to form the boys, <laughs> all the boys on their night out with the gun fingers up. And I'm like, it's still a video, mate. Still like, a video, you can, mate. No you can be as still as you want, pal. It's still going to be a video. You've got to go uh, for your footage, mate, and make like a, a spoof reel just of all the bullshit that is like like right, proper videos like that. Too many. A, too many. Yeah. I love it, though. It makes it what it is. I can't knock it too much, but it is funny. After working at hundreds of events, I wanted to find out what Isaac thought might be surprising to people whilst working behind the camera. What, what, what do you think people might be surprised about to find out about like shooting video or working at live events that they might not, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a rave or a punter from the front, what do you think like you would, people would be surprised about? Um, backstage isn't quite as fun as what everyone thinks it is. It's probably artists sitting there eating an orange or chilling <laughs> out on their phone. It's not yeah. like the the be all or end all that people sometimes portray it as. It's literally just we'll turn up. We're probably all really tired and we just want a cup of tea and just to chat about something completely unrelated to music and then go on stage and get a job done. But to be honest, I don't think people quite understand like the level of travelling that's involved with it, like how much artists actually put into making it to a show is ridiculous. I know it firsthand, but like some of the amount of travel and these boys their schedules are always because obviously from an agent point of view if you've booked let's say andy c to play in southampton chances are you don't want andy c to be playing another show in southampton two weeks before so they'll probably put andy c in sheffield two weeks before so no one's going to travel around southampton to go and see him in bournemouth or brighton so artist schedules are constantly up and down up and down up and down because they're always trying to kind of drive ticket sales through to make sure that andy c isn't playing in southampton two months before or he's got say a, a kind of grace period where no one books him for the like six months around the show so they're always you, 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 your schedules are never nice to you they're always leads to Southampton to Manchester to Brighton to Sheffield to Plymouth uh, yeah people don't uh, well they, they might do but the, the amount of traveling involved is no joke like it is ridiculous but yeah it's all part of the fun really isn't it yeah I think there's still some people that especially if you're new to raves that won't understand that there's artists that will do several events or multiple events in an evening i remember being at uni and people thinking that events were fake because they were like oh he's playing like so and so's i think it might have been might have it might have even been wiley or skepta it was skepta before um where i think it was maybe kanichiwa that he, that album would come out yeah. or maybe just before that it might have been that's not me just that came out was playing like the o2 in bournemouth and then he was also playing in Birmingham that night. And um, someone was like, oh, it's, this event's fake. It's not real. It's not real. Like he's playing in Birmingham. And it's like, well, now they're traveling all around. So yeah. Like, do several events. I in mean, one more night. the drum and bass guys, they they often do triple ups, which is three shows in one night. And like some drum and bass guys, MCs actually as well, they'll do like 10 shows in a week, seven, 10 shows in a week. It's ridiculous. And they'll do like three shows on a Friday, three shows on a Saturday, one on a Sunday, one on a Tuesday, two on a Wednesday. 
it is re- it is relentless. But I think it might be a little bit unique to drum and bass as well because a lot of the events, like I don't know any other type of music really where you get. Um, like, you know, like the power hour, the last hour of an event mm-hmm. where you've got like the, the heaviest or like you finish on like, like I, I'm trying to think like, cause I, I like, I like well, techno and I like tech house. Do five till That's six. what I mean. Literally right. number one, the, the, how late the events go on. So like yeah. some of my, so some of the events will go on till five, will go on till six, will go on till seven. And then also uniquely like some of events, okay, so maybe like tech house or maybe a couple of sort of like techno events, the last people on the bill are not necessarily like the biggest people. They'll sort of be like, it's like the warm-up DJs, but the other side. Whereas on yeah. drum and bass, you can get our last hour of power. Someone like oh, Andy mate, C doing like a three till four, someone like Randall doing like a four till five. And it's like, that's a massive name, but just because like they're trying to fit in, like you said, several events in one. Mate, eight, there's, a, there's definitely an art to closing a rave. I've, I've seen Owen Fenton, probably one of the best ending sets i've ever seen and he done like five to six in like electric bricks and killed it it was like one of the best sets of the night you just yeah it definitely has an art to it but yeah you're never catching adele doing a 5 a.m performance like <laughs> that's all i'll say drum and bass mcs and producers are a different breed and they have to be they have to be um, so i take my hat off to them fair play to them mate fair play to them what yeah. do you um if you could sort of summarize what you think after movies and what you think video content does for the industry and does for artists what would you uh what would you say because like you said um, where where you opened out and like you and Leo were doing early bits with artists and early bits with DJs after movies were not necessarily as popular as like, like they've not been around forever. The camera equipment hasn't been there. You look at those old school, like DV sort of after movie type things. They weren't there. Whereas now they would sort of become reasonably accessible because you could buy a DSLR, you could buy a mirrorless camera, you could buy yeah. sort of the camera equipment to make something look professional and not have to be like a, 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 a cinema Tooled sort of budget yeah, to do knowledge. it. Yeah. yeah. So like, what do you think it is now that as, as, has brought sort of like what do you think it brings to the industry these these after movies and this visual content i mean from a kind of business side obviously having that one for a promoter can kind of portray how good your shows are and put on and say look this is what we do come to our next one and the same as an artist it's look how good my shows are or look how live this show was and it can showcase mixing it can showcase crowd reactions like it can you can use it to gauge whatever you want and ultimately it's kind of a selling platform to grow your brand so whether that be through tiktok instagram facebook ultimately you're kind of doing it to push yourself as a brand and to not show off necessarily but like new music yeah like crowd reactions whatever you want so that kind of side comes into it and then from a raver point of view i think a lot of people like see it well like looking back and i'm guilty i was guilty of it before i got into like shooting shows like going back and looking and just thinking like you can see me in their footage like you get it all the time i'll artists will upload clips i've done and i'll be like oh my god you can see us oh there's me in the shirt there's me with the sombrero on or something like that and people like that man like it's a nice memento for them to kind of have and look back at and i remember i can't remember how old i was but i saw pendulum made made an after movie for brixton academy and it was like the best thing i'd ever seen i do remember that this one. was in like 2005 something like that and i was like this is like the tits this is amazing like, this is and i uh, growing up, I was the biggest Pendulum fan. So I remember seeing that being like, fucking hell, I wish I could go to one of these. And I remember watching, fast forward, I watched Rampage's 2018, I think it was, 2018 after moving, I was like, this is the best piece of editing I think I've ever seen. I was like, this is what I like need to be making. And from a raver point of view, watching your weekend recaps is brilliant. So I think that to put a price on it, it can 
be priceless to some people and if it helps you propel yourself as a brand or as an artist or as an agent as a booking agent i think it can hold endless kind of opportunities because you see you see the power of it now some people can get famous just off posting on social media like i see the guy i don't know the guy's name but he bikes around playing drum and bass and like don uh don uh don but you know i'm on about don't name, you i can't remember his last name just G. purely from yeah, yeah, live the guy, streaming yeah, on the, the football. him playing yeah. music he's now huge that mark his name mark rebelay yeah, the guy that was doing the live music. Yeah. That was probably just before like, lockdown, wasn't it? That he was getting really, really big. Yeah. yeah. Doing the live so refixes and the live Huge keyboard now. adjustments so and the sampling and stuff. The power of social media is endless. And I think ultimately, if you don't keep up, you get left behind. So I think to keep propelling yourself, it's, and obviously I'm going to say this because it's what I do for a job, but you just got to keep kind of moving with the times and ultimately that's what people want it's kind of just content 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 i think it can it can drive people a bit mad at times but it's um it's only it's never going to go away i don't think and it's um it's good for me <laughs> so and the content is still there and i want to say yeah i mean like i said i i, I got I, I dabbled in videography and i dabbled in well um editing yeah. my full-time job and stuff like that but uh looking at your work looking at leo's work i remember being back at you just at uni and just finishing uni and seeing your content there and uh yeah i, I probably <laughs> owe you a bit of a, a bit of a thank you uh for, for for spurring me on and um and for like look at, i remember looking at your videos and always being like oh look he's done this new thing this time or this is a new video editing technique or like he's added this this time and it's interesting to see your videos like, obviously you've got them on your page <laughs> shout out visuals by isaac but um you can see your you can see your progression on there you can see the part live video yeah, you man. can see the crew car stuff you can see the mac and g stuff at rampage you can see the tours on new zealand so it's fantastic to see your uh to see your progression and to see your video content Thank and you, yeah, really. you yeah. A, yeah i got shout obsessed with kind of um, kind of making the 1% better, if that makes any sense. Like everyone can do what they do, but like I got obsessed yeah. with making everything kind of bit pitch perfect. Cause I obviously had people that I watched and I was like, fuck me, how are they making this shit? Like I need to know Bailey Hyatt being one of them who is Goof's visual guy. And I remember I th Goof done a Leeds recap and this was when I was shit, let's say. And I remember watching it going, fuck me, how do I make something like that? And I was just like, this is mental. And then you have other people you look at and I'm like, how, like American people as well, you see some of their stuff. Granted, their shows are fucking huge compared to some of like the underground 100 cat raves we film. Like, but some of their stuff is like, I need to kind of, I think everyone steals someone's techniques. So you have to kind of improvise and adapt and make stuff your own and put your own twist on it. But yeah, it's just about getting obsessed with the 1% and trying to make your thing that bit better. And if someone can spot your work within like the first five seconds of watching that you've done a job, because if you can create your own style and then content and having a way of people knowing it's you without seeing it's you visually, then great. The eyes that read a sway. The eyes that read a sway yes. backstage. Learn, That's how what it is. Zoom, learn how to zoom in and out. <laughs> zoom sway. So uh, just as a recap, Isaac Reed are available for photography at all events, wedding photography, <laughs> oh, rave photography. If you see this six foot five boy at the back, he is taking photos, asking I for group shots, away. asking for group photos. He will do portraits on demand. Oh God. If you want shit pictures, I'm your man. Hit me up. <laughs> Keep pestering Please him. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> Isaac mate that's been a uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today yes mate thank you for having me mate it's, it's been, been a great nice. catch up it's been nice first time I've ever spoken to anyone so it's nice to kind of um, 
chat some shit about what I do for a job because I think most people I know, especially my mates, I don't think they really understand what I do. It's media, isn't it? It's just the media. Mate, right? yeah, media it's camera job. stuff. Yeah. It's camera stuff. That's what it is. So it's nice, That's what nice it is. to speak to people who actually understand what I'm on about. <laughs> nice one, mate. Thank you. Yeah, take it easy, mate. Listen, mate, I've told you once, I've told you twice. You're not on the list. All right, all right.